This week on the People in My Kitchen podcast, we are right in the middle of the Operation Come Home reality campaign, which goes through the month of February. So I'm sitting down with a bunch of different people from Operation Come Home, and we're going to talk to Jenna Odorico this week. She works in the school portion of Operation Come Home and has done many of the challenges that we normally do throughout the month with us. The 24 hours of homelessness, which is where we spend 24 hours living outside uh, to raise awareness for the plight that faces homeless youth in Ottawa. The $24 challenge, which is where we try to live for one week on $24 worth of food only uh, to highlight the plight of the uh, homeless youth in Ottawa and the poor who, after all their other expenses are taken care of, have $24 a week on which to uh, sustain themselves to buy food. So we'll talk about both those things with Jenna right now. Normally, I do this podcast from my kitchen, but uh, today I'm in at Operation Come Home because I'm going to do a bunch of interviews with a bunch of people from Operation Come Home. And we're starting with Jenna Odorico. Odorico? You got it. Odorico? No. Oh, no. Okay. Odorico. Yes. All right. Tell us what you do at Operation Come Home. What's your job title? So I am the Achievement Center Support Staff which means that we run a non-traditional high school in Operation Come Home, and youth ages 16 to 19 can register for credits through Lester B. Pearson High School with the Ottawa Catholic School Board. We have a teacher that does the administrative stuff and the credits with the students, and I do the social support. So any sort of barrier that they would have in attending school or getting education is something that I work on them with, um, whether it's transportation, mental health, addictions, housing, employment, any sort of thing that would prevent them from getting to school that day or making education a priority for them is what we work to tackle. That was good. That sounded like a prepared statement. Like you, you have I'm that, used to this spiel. Yeah. like you This do is not the like. first time I've been asked this question. I feel like... Nor yeah. will it be the last. So uh, you're helping kids get through school. This yeah. is what you're doing. Like yeah. You have, you're, you have a corner office. Uh, that's a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah. I scored the sweet office and it has windows. Yeah. Which is a huge plus. Yeah, like, I think that puts you near the top of the OCH food chain. I actually think it does. Yeah. Are, are you doing the 24 hours with us this year? I might. I haven't. I, it depends on my work schedule. Yes. That's my other job. But I will be there to support as much as possible if I can't sleep out. What is your other job? I work at the Cornerstone Women's Shelter. See, so you basically just work for charities all throughout Ottawa. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Like, what got you into this in the first place? Um, so I went to school for social work at Carleton. I'm from Kingston, which is a pretty small town, and I've just always been You involved. don't have to explain to people what <laughs> Kingston is. Like, people know what Kingston is. People know what is. Kingston is? Yeah, like, it's, like, yeah. right there. Compare, yeah. Well, compared to Ottawa, like, it's pretty small. Yeah. There's not a lot of resources and things like that. Then I took a, I took an interest in the homeless population, and then decided to get into social work, and then went to Carleton for my Bachelor of Social Work, and I did a placement with Operation Come Home as a student and then I was hired and I have been here ever since and I like I like Ottawa and we like you I think you were a student doing your placement when we did the 24 hours the first time yeah that's how I got roped into that you did I passed my placement too which was great I know you stuck around that's amazing that better be okay yeah, I'm going to leave that in. That's good. Uh, no, you and I went to the Mill Street just a little while ago, right? We're preparing for our Super Bowl party. Or, well, they're not going to hear this podcast. The NFL isn't. But just in case they do, the Superb, superb Owl, owl. party. Yeah. If you say it really fast, it sounds like Superb Owl. 
It does. <laughs> we had a good laugh about that yesterday. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like I can Stephen Colbert years ago started calling it the superb owl, but I feel like I can still use that mm-hmm. because I had tweeted it in a hashtag years before he did that. So he technically stole it from you. I think he did. Okay. Like I think I invented that. You still have the rights to it then. Yeah. Somewhere in this atmosphere. And I thought, and it was when I first got on Twitter, and I thought it was very funny because I saw the Super Bowl hashtag, and I'm like, that looks like Superb Owl. So I just started tweeting the hashtag with pictures of owls, like, and nobody understood what the hell I was doing for like a good three weeks. And then finally someone clued in, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm trying to make posters with uh, an owl with like a football helmet on, so yeah. like the Superb Owl. I'm working on it. My Photoshop skills aren't great yet. But I will make that admission. They're undeniably better than mine. But you are a frequenter of the Mill Street. I want you to tell us about the Mill Street. Because you go there all the... You were there last night. (laughs) Do you ever eat anything but the pretzels? If my friends get other things, then I'll have some bites of their stuff. But usually the pretzels. Sometimes it's good to stick with what you know. And I know the pretzels are always amazing. And I feel like that just shows a lack of confidence in trying new things you know i find that sort of like you're set in your ways kind of but i like to go to mill street because i always know it's going to be great so if i know if i want to have a good time i'm gonna get something that i know is going to be solid and that's the pretzel just the pretzel and the beer i mean you seem to know all the beers when we were there last time can't forget about the beers yeah are you like one of these craft beer people like uh I, I, don't I am. Want to say hipster, but I like, am. So am I. I know. It's yeah. okay. So if you aren't at Mill Street having their, you know, not really craft beer, but tastes like a craft beer, where do you go? Mm, Beyond the Pale is really good because it's pretty close to here as well. So it yeah. is walking distance. Is it I walking like distance from here? Yeah. I guess in Hindenburg, yeah. Yeah, just before Hindenburg, actually, they moved to Base Center, where uh, Artisan Cafe is. Yeah, yeah. So you can go get brunch at Artisan and walk right over to Beyond the Pale. Oh, you know what? That's right. We were there uh, with Bottle Works. We mm-hmm. did a growler exchange there, yeah. and I realized that they moved then, but then forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, they have a really cool warehouse. They're very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dominion City is right. also a favorite of mine. Uh, they just renovated their tap room. It's really nice. They have a couple of good beers. Their Earl Grey Marmalade is my favorite. An Earl Grey Marmalade it beer? It is so good. They just started canning it, too. So oh, yeah? Coming soon to a store near you. I am going to look for that. You should. I really am. <laughs> that sounds bonkers enough to be delicious. It is my favorite. Actually, the Royal Oak has it on tap, so. Nice. Okay. Well, we're doing the 24 hours right beside the Royal Oak. So I'll uh, sneak one out for you. Perfect. That sounds very good. <laughs> now, you've done the 24 hours before. How was it uh, in previous years? It's a challenge. And I have a great level of respect for all the people that stay out there all night and do it. I remember when we did it, I think it was nearing the last four hours, you and I were crashing really hard. Yes, we were. We were sitting on the pool. (laughs) Yes. And all we could do was just sit there. (laughs) Yes. Counting down the minutes. We couldn't even get up. (laughs) Someone help me up. Like I was looking at my sign starting to cross off minutes after minutes yeah. after minutes eventually four o'clock came and we got to leave yeah but yeah. for a lot of people they don't get to leave that's it right and that is their reality they don't get to go home to something warm yeah so it was a huge it was a huge eye-opener for me 
Um, it's a lot different just saying, oh yeah, I know about the 24 hours of homelessness, I saw them, I was out there for a little bit. If you're actually out there for the entire time, it is a whole different perspective. Yeah, it really changes the way you look at it, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. Because you do have that sense of, oh, I get to go home. Thank yeah. goodness, right? And you can count down the minutes because there is an actual end in sight. There's an end point, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've done the $24 challenge as well. And uh, what did you do for the last one? I seem to recall you had a lot of soup. No, I had a lot of cheese. You you did, that's right. You were the only one with cheese. I got cheese. cheese. So, we found a strategy. I think this is my third, maybe my third year doing the 24 buck challenge. Yeah. Strategy was to find a partner. Pool your money together and enjoy and you and your boyfriend, Chris, yes. went into this together. Yes. So basically you had $48 between the two of you. You can live like a king. For four, You know what? It's true, I think. Yeah. If you have a partner, or if you have even four people doing it together, oh my goodness, like a whole yes. family, yeah. then $96 for a week is something feasible for a family. Yeah. So I think that... But for me, that also is an eye-opener, where you can... If you're doing something for your whole family... You can buy bigger things mm-hmm. for less money, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the one year that I did it, I wanted to make big bread. So I decided I would get flour to bake bread. Well, if you buy 10 kilograms of flour, it's quite cheap. Yeah. If you buy one kilogram of flour, it really isn't. But all you can afford is one kilogram because you're really tight on your exactly. budget. You know? It takes so much planning. It really does. I think that was the tiring part. Is yeah. that you had to plan everything and you had to calculate everything, make sure you had enough for the week and things got a little bit repetitive and you had to right. eat the same thing, everything was bland, there's no flavor and spices. And, so you have to factor all that in too, right? That's true. But it, we also do, on occasion, uh, exploit the gratuities at <laughs> local fast food establishments. And I do highly recommend the uh, McDonald's. Uh, brown sugar, maple brown sugar mm. to put on one's oatmeal mm. and Taco Bell hot sauce on everything else. So you've really been doing your research. I've done this a few years now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, So yeah, after three years, we're picking up on the tricks. As long as I can get as, as many ketchup packets as I can to last through the week, I'm usually okay. Yeah. But. Now, this year for the 24 hours, we're, we're focusing, I'm focusing anyway, on Shlomo and his plan to throw a pie in the face of Mayor Jim Watson because I think that uh, his initiative is pretty awesome. And also, I think if you're going to focus and and highlight one kid to come out of Operation Come Home as a success story, as somebody who can really carry the brand of this place, it's Shlomo. Absolutely. You know, he's been through the programs. He's been through the school here with you. He's been through FarmWorks where Mm -hmm. he worked out there. He's been through the addictions counseling program. Everything that OCH has to offer. Pretty much he's hit every base and come out of it on the other side with a job and an apartment. Now he's going to school. It's amazing. Absolutely. So we're trying to get him to the $10,000. And what would you say to people who are going to donate to Shlomo and his $10,000 goal of pieing the mare in the face? I just love this so much. I love this idea. He is so creative. He is. So creative. He's a perfect example of what third and fourth chances look like and why we need to give youth third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh chances. Right. Um, he, 
he went through ups, he went through downs, the, he had an opportunity, it didn't work out, he was given another opportunity, it didn't work out. Eventually, you learn from that every single time and they do start to work out. It's just really important to recognize that it's not a straight path to success for many youth. Yeah. And it, it's not as easy as saying, well, I gave you a chance, you didn't take it, that's too bad. Right. That's not, not an option and it's really hard to kind of get people to switch that mindset of saying... Well, we're going to keep offering chances, and we're going to keep providing support, and eventually it is going to to help, Yeah. pretty much. So I think he is um, a huge example of what opportunities and what chances can come out as once they're given. Yeah. So. No, for sure. He's, he's just so cool. He, he's he so actually cool. really is so cool. I have so much like, respect for him. No kidding. Yeah. Cool I guy. Love that kid. Super cool guy. Um, you're super cool, too. Thanks, and, uh, You're not so bad. I'm okay. I'm okay. You have some good moments. I'm wearing socks that I got free with a bottle of Kahlua, so I'm not <laughs> that cool. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Oh my god, you're not lying. I'm not lying. <laughs> I think that just adds points to the cool factor. Yeah, like every single thing that I wear at all times is free. I'm free wearing stuff this is good stuff. t-shirt here that came free from Andy, who works yep. downstairs and runs the School of Rock out in New Orleans. Yep. You know? So everything I do basically is for free clothes. What did you do in Kingston, which is just two hours down the road from Ottawa, down the 401? I was for people who don't know what Kingston is. Just in case you didn't know, yeah. it does exist. Like, you went there for Christmas, I assume. I went there for, I actually only went there for one day of Christmas. Really? Yeah, it was... Too much working. Yeah, I worked a cup. I worked a lot, so it was quick. I got to see everybody that was important to me, though, and I got to. Sp I did get to spend part of Christmas Day with them. So it was well, I was nice. here just before Christmas, and you were threatening your parents, like if they didn't do something, then you weren't going to come. And I can't remember what it was. If they bought a fake tree, I was not coming was home for Christmas. Tree? Yeah, it was, but they came home with a beautiful live tree, and I was very happy. So I came home for Christmas. <laughs> For a day. Easy as that. Like no, the, the a day. Largest part of a day. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I showed up, so. <laughs> and otherwise you wouldn't have. Otherwise you. Would it would have. It would, I would have made a stink about it. I still would have gone. Of course, they're my parents. I love them, but, but they would have heard about, about it. it. Oh, they would have heard complain. about it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I probably would have gone to the store and bought my own tree and reset it up for them, and it would have taken the entire Christmas, but I would have still had my real tree. I believe you. Now, that, see, that's weird to me, though, that people are so set in their weird tr traditional ways. Mm -hmm. You know? I can't alter, for example, our Christmas meal at all. It has to be exactly what my wife's parents made her every Christmas. And it goes right? back to the same thing that we started with. You stick <coughs> to what you know. Right, exactly. If you got but something good, you stick to something good. I would like every now and then to involve bacon in a Christmas meal. I would like that. Okay, I'll give you that one. On too. some level, like maybe just fry up a little bit and put it in the mashed potatoes. But no, you can't do that. Or frozen peas. I lobby every year for frozen peas. Why can't we use frozen peas instead of the canned ones? The canned ones are terrible. No, tradition. Tradition. Yeah. Wow. Kills me. That is quite the tradition. I know. Isn't it though? Would your wife not come for Christmas if you used frozen peas? Well, we hold it at our house, so okay. she'd have no real choice, <laughs> except that 
she would prob like she overrules me on everything, right? I cook every other day of the entire year except for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and those are the days where it's her kitchen. Everyone else get out. Oh my! Right? Because it has to be done a certain way, <laughs> certain turkey, certain way, exactly this, and you know. Those are your days off. Yeah. So really, that is my day off. So what did you do for New Year's? We ah oh, we went to another one of my favorite spots, the Glue Pop Pub. <laughs> I love the Glue Pop. I love the Glue Pop Pub. It's always. Again, you stick to what you know, right? Yeah. It's always a good time there. Um, no lineups, no cover, no people. Right. Except for us, like usual. Really? Like you were the only people in there on New Year's? Okay, give or take like maybe five or six other people were around, but it was pretty much us like it usually is. It's usually pretty empty, which is why we like it. It's a good change of scenery. That's true. I used to live down on Laurier, so we we in Bay, so we were right uh-huh. at the glue pot. We'd go over there all the time, and they had karaoke. Do they still have karaoke? They don't. No? I wish they did. <laughs> wow, that would be really fun. Yeah, it was weird, and it was weird because you would get this mix of people. Because most people would go there first for the bar downstairs, <coughs> right? And the bar downstairs or the strip club downstairs? The strip club downstairs. Yeah. I was trying to dance around it and be like circumspect. <laughs> oh, we're, call, we're calling yeah, it out. Barbarella's, the strip Barbarella's, club downstairs. Yeah. The only strip club I've ever been kicked out of. <laughs> and I've been kicked out of it three times now. Ooh. Which I'm not sure is a badge of honor or not. That's know. impressive. Are you yeah. blacklisted yet? No, because there was enough time between each one. Well, they didn't remember who you were. Right. Strategic. And I probably haven't gone back for several years, so they don't remember me. As, and I got kicked out for three completely different reasons each time. I'm so not even going to ask. Once it was for wearing my hat oh. and questioning the sanity of forcing me to take it off, which I felt was I don't quite understand an unreasonable request. I don't understand that rule either. Yeah. I did put it back on later in the evening, and then they escorted me out, and I may have been a little too inebriated to, you know, just put up and shut up, and I, you know, complained rather loudly, I guess. Another time was because one of my friends came over and sat on my lap, and the whole nature of the establishment is that strippers come and sit on your lap. So I guess there's like a competitive thing there where you go, no, no, we can't have another girl sitting on a possible patron's lap. Conflict of interest. Yeah. I guess it's like bringing in your own outside food to a movie theater. I guess so. Or like your own cans of beer on a golf course or something. Simple comparison, yeah. So yeah. I also really like how you remember all of these times. Because it's memorable. When you get kicked out once, when you get kicked out three times, right, let's try this again, and it didn't work again. And, uh, let's try third time's again. a charm. Yeah, it was not. No, but it's really funny. So Gluepot used to have karaoke. But then, yeah, then you'd have people coming up from from downstairs, and they'd go up for the karaoke, and they'd be absolutely blitzed, right? But at the at the time too, there was a thing where I guess uh, there were quite a few people who would go up to the Gluepot, sit at the at the bar, split a jug of beer, and then go back downstairs because the beer was so much cheaper upstairs. Oh, yeah, you know? for sure. And they'd still have the half beer they were nursing on, like, the table at their, you know, at the strip club or whatever, but, you know, up and down. <laughs> it just, That's so funny. Which was kind of a crazy time. So people were just blitzed at the end of the night, and then they'd do karaoke and poison. It was always poison, and I can't remember. Was that the rage then? No. <laughs> just, How old do you think I am? I don't know. It wasn't do you want me to answer 80s. that on podcast? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> no, poison was like old school and terrible already at the time. <laughs> it was like the mid 2000s, late 2000s. Oh boy. You know? But for some reason, the crew at the Glue Pot Pub wanted to bring poison back, and they were quite big on that on karaoke nights. Poison. Yeah, yeah they have a couple pool tables upstairs. Do they oh, used to have good. pool tables? I, I think so. But when you're playing pool, you can hear the bass from the strip club. Yeah. You can feel it in your feet. I believe like, it. Wow. Look at that. I went to I went to a strip club once in Campbellton, uh, New Brunswick, and it was right on the border of, of New Brunswick and Quebec. And so in Campbellton, it was the only bar in the entire place. So they had to cram everything into one bar. And so there was a pool hall, pool tables on the one side where a live band would play. Ooh. And on the other side was a strip club. But there's no wall in between, right? <laughs> it's not like two parks. It's all one bar. But one side's weirdly dimly lit, and there are strippers on a stage. Oh, and the other goodness. side's brightly lit, and there is a band on the stage. And so the strippers would have to dance to whatever the band was playing. Oh, Right. So regardless of what song it was, it would be, you know, the band doing, you know, Zeppelin covers or whatever. And then there's the these strippers trying to like you know Do their carry thing. on to you know, black oh dog goodness. or whatever it was. It was so weird. That's really funny. It was a surreal place. I yeah. hope it still exists. I'm glad you didn't get kicked out of that one. I didn't. Good. But I was with people who were far rowdier than myself uh, at the time. Uh. Who uh probably would have taken the fall long before I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we went back about, and it was weird too. So we were traveling around eastern Canada at the time, going from place to place. And no matter where you went in New Brunswick, and we would always go, and because we're with the boat and everybody, you know, they would have some sort of thing set up, uh, like a, you played baseball against the city council or something like that, right? And because it's the East Coast, if you played softball against the city council, every base would be a keg of beer. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to drink as you went around, and then they'd all go, hey, let's all go out and party. No matter where we were in New Brunswick, they took us back to Campbellton. It was always to that bar. Oh, my goodness. It That's was like the, the only bar. The main attraction. Yeah. Oh we were in goodness. Dalhousie in New Brunswick, and they took us back down to Campbellton. We thought we, we thought we were done with this place. No. It's the place to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was quite the hub. It was a very so happy funny. place. You know. You should make another trip back. I think what I should do is recreate that place here. Oh. You know what I mean? Something for everyone. I see where you're getting at. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> dance club <laughs> slash strip club slash pub slash, yeah. Let me know. Yeah. You I'll, want to invest? Yeah. I'll hop okay. in on this. Perfect. I'm taking investors right now. I'm in. Okay. That was easy. I will put in $40 of my own money, so I'm asking for $40 of everyone else's money too. I'll take all of, I'll take me and Chris's uh, 24 buck challenge money into this investment. <laughs> Starve for a week so that we'll we can- We'll still have $8 left. Do this again. He actually is. He's yeah. looking forward to it. I remember him being quite apprehensive last year. Yeah, he bought pierogies sure anyway. at Giant Tiger. Yeah. And I don't think he's eaten a single pierogi since last year. So. He can overdose on pierogies. It happened. Yeah. yeah. They're and they're cheap. just super cheap, right? And that's one good thing I remember about Giant Tigers that every now and then you'd have like a two-pound bag of carrots for a buck or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you might actually be able to get some vegetables. But then you have to buy like a sauce. Who wants to eat plant carrots? <laughs> yeah, but sauce is expensive. I know. You know? 
sucks. And that, yeah, like I have a thing that I, I'm every year I want to make it because it's very good. It's this bean bake thing that I normally mm. make. But when I make it myself, I have my I make my own barbecue sauce and I put that into it. But doing the twenty four dollars, I had to buy the canned Giant Tiger Value Brand barbecue sauce, not the same. which is like yeah, it's not at all the same. It's like forty one cents or something Mm-mm. like that, and it tastes like it costs forty one cents, yeah. and it's dreadful. Yeah, I made black bean burritos, and I had a burrito every single day. Yeah, but I had cheese. You had cheese. The only the only hard part, or not hard part, the part that I didn't quite enjoy was. That I usually use salsa, but I couldn't afford to buy salsa in all of my stuff because salsa was like three dollars. Right. But a can of diced tomato is seventy-five cents. Yes. So I took the seventy-five cent diced tomatoes, but didn't taste nearly as good. No, and you could, in theory, turn those diced tomatoes into a salsa. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can't afford to buy cilantro. Yeah, and all those spices and the things that make yeah. it good. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. I, I keep wondering, if I go to Bulk Barn and I pick up, like, one teaspoon worth of cilantro... I think you can, actually. Can you? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we were talking to the ladies on... we were So, for the last year, for the 24-buck challenge, we went on Roger's Daytime. Yeah. And the ladies made a dish out of, I think, $3.50. They made quite a nice dish. Yeah. And like, we went to Bulk Bar and we just got little little scoops of a bunch of different spices, so we made it nice and... See, that's not... That's really clever. Yeah. But if you think about it, in theory, a lot of the youth or other clients don't know about those kind of things, right? That's true. So... Nor would they probably go to a Bulk Bar. Nor would they try to spend this much time planning and bargaining and... Some of them will do. I remember the first year we did it. I think it was Corey. uh, You know Corey Williams, Mm -hmm. right? Who, one of the youth who's come through here, who really helped us game plan it out. Right, we did have a sit down with him. Yeah, and at first we said, okay, we're going to go to Walmart. And and I remember him saying, Walmart's, no, that's way more expensive than Giant Tiger Food Basics, Mm -hmm. you know, this, that, and the other. So he sent us out to all these places. And he had a plan. He had figured it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is very tough. Learn something. We learn something every day on this stupid, stupid podcast. The, the <laughs> tips that come otherwise out. stupid podcast. <laughs> this is a very great podcast, by the way. <laughs> Anything you want to say before we're done? Thanks for listening.